0: We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friends, future events such as these will affect you in the future. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Station Poobah. Eric Crema, good buddy of ours. Hi, everybody. It's Friday. Glad to have you with us. I'm Gary Mann. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour, and we're going to be looking toward the stars today because in a few moments we're going to bring on Christopher Renstrom, one of the preeminent astrologers practicing today. I do believe that isn't even bragging. As far as I'm concerned, that's fact. That's just the truth. But before we get to Christopher, let's say hello to bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. How are you, Benny? Doing very well, a little bit tired. Uh, I saw a few stars last night. I went down to Climate Pledge Arena and saw the Fugees perform. And it's been wow. thirty years since I've wanted to see Lauren Hill Praz and White Clef. So it was a great night. I'm a little bit wow. tired, so. If you go to a break and I fall asleep, it's not my fault. <laughs>
1: and, if, and if you're suddenly replaced by somebody else yeah, in yeah. an hour because you sound asleep, yeah, exactly. now we'll know why.
0: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gifted that way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> excellent,
0: excellent. Well, we're delighted to have Christopher Renstrom back with us off the back of his book you can give him his mad props in brief but mainly we love this gentleman and always are glad when he can join
1: us for a very long time christopher renstrom is the author of the cosmic calendar and ruling planets and the creator of rulingplanets.com He currently writes the daily horoscopes for the San Francisco Chronicle and sfgate.com along with the weekly horoscope for Astrology Hub. Renstrom also lectures on the history of astrology in America from pre-revolution to modern times and runs ruling planet workshops around the country. We are so delighted right before the show started I was mentioning to him his first appearance on Manson Mitchell was December 31. 2011. so he has now been with us a dozen years and today marks his 28th appearance on manson mitchell only because we like him so much so welcome to manson
2: mitchell once again christopher renstrom my goodness thank you thank you thank you for the warm welcome i so appreciate it you guys are fantastic well yes we are <laughs> on, on <our> <laughs> and that's a fact <laughs>
0: We have a number of topics to discuss with you, Christopher, but of course we like to get to the horoscopes. You write brilliantly, uh, letting people know what's going on, what's ahead. And we always like to treat our listeners to hearing their daily horoscope. Whenever you come on, we'll read six before and six after our one and only break at the bottom of the hour. But what I wanted to get to first with you, Christopher, is trends. Be our trend spotter today among astrologers where is the field of astrology going in ways that you pay particular attention to at this time
2: Uh, the field of astrology so astrology as a whole right now that i'm paying attention to right now Um, i think the big thing that's going on with astrology right now is really the diversity of, of voices which is such a wonderful thing. We have astrologers coming from so many different backgrounds and so many different cultures and really coming together and producing astrology together. It's not the same astrology. It's not homogenous astrology for everyone, but um, we're getting so much input from so many different points of view and not you know, not the not a sort of overriding point of view, which was dominated by published astrology, like for instance, when you had astrology in magazine columns or books or things like that. So you really sort of get out of the box astrology. And I think it's just so um, wonderful. It's so stimulating, it's so creative. And these are voices that need to be heard. and these are voices that are also to be encouraged. Do you get the sense, Christopher, that it's
1: actually expanding in interest?
2: Yes. Uh, yes, it's expanding, it, it and it's more than expanding in interest. Um, and here I may say something which is a little bit whatever, but so many spiritual institutions, I think, are failing yes. uh, people yeah. nowadays. They're failing to answer the call um, and answer the need. That people have. I mean, we're we're living through very, very challenging times when we want to turn to institutions that we have faith in, whether they're governmental institutions, social institutions, uh, faith-based or or spiritual institutions. And when you see so much hostility and vitriol, and when you see so much finger pointing, and when you See people not addressing the concerns of the populace. This is something that, um, you know, astrology, I think, has really, really picked up the slack. I mean, it is not a religion, okay, and it is not a science. It's neither of those things. Astrology is a calendar. That's why it was invented in the first place. That's why every major civilization on the planet, Mesoamerican, Asian, Middle Eastern, uh, developed some form of astrology. And by the way, these are only the astrologies we know about. I mean, there must be countless astrologies that did not survive. So so what I think astrology really represents, because it's not doctrinal, because it's reading an ever-changing sky, it's answering something that I think other institutions have kind of taken for granted or not really lived up to their responsibility.
1: Can you identify, and I don't know if you can, but how many types of astrology have survived successfully over a period of time you you have one kind of flavor of astrology and then worldwide do you know how many there are currently oh.
2: <laughs> a lot right now a lot of the focus is sort of excavating older forms of astrology and sort of okay. reintroducing it and so that 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 is talking about the Hellenistic school okay. Of astrolog- Sounds Greek to me. Well, it is Greek. It's actually um, occupied uh, Egypt uh, by the Roman Empire, um, which and and so there's that practice. There's medieval practice, but essentially you had uh, you astrology comes from the Middle East. Really, this the astrology we all know about. It comes from Iraq, Babylon, of all places, and there it went out to either Asia. Um, or it was annexed and repackaged by Rome, the Roman Empire, and that's the West. Uh, the Western astrology is the. Julian calendar based I.E sun-based astrology based on a solar calendar although the astrologies in India and and China and Indonesia are all lunar based and um, they sort of developed on their own but were also inspired by the Iraqi or the Babylonian astrology and then Mesoamerican astrology, which is uh, middle America is a thing entirely into itself.
1: Wow that yeah. is that is fascinating to me you mentioned a uh, western astrology being sun-based and it was from you that i found out your particular interest is the ruling planets that that's the name of your website rulingplanets.com so right. rather than being concerned about a sun sign you're you take the the uh perspective of well what is the planet that is ruling that person
2: Yeah. Uh, What we have to keep in mind is that there's a sign and there's a planet. And the easiest way to sort of keep that as a visual is to think of a clock. You've got the numbers on, on a clock which never move. And those would be like the zodiacal constellations. They never move. But the planets are like the hands on a clock. They're in constant motion. And it's the planets moving in front of the signs that we use to interpret what's going on with the stars. But every zodiac sign is ruled by a planet. For instance, if you're Gemini, your planetary ruler is Mercury, and Mercury is the planet of the mind communication. So those are attributes of the planet that you see show up in the sign. So your ruling planet is basically your patron saint, your corporate sponsor, your life coach, and your den mother all bundled up into one.
1: Thank you for that very good explanation. that we, we see the planets moving in the constellations when we look up in the sky, but the, I mean, we see the planets moving, but the constellations aren't moving. The planets are moving in front of them. That, that is very intriguing to look at it from that point of view.
2: Well, and again, if you think of a clock, and by the way, where do you think the model of a clock came from? Astrology. Really? <laughs> honestly. Oh my gosh. It well, that's what it was based on. It was okay, you know, these planets are moving in front of the signs, and it's just like a clock hand pointing wow. to the hour. So that's that's honestly where uh the model of the clock came from that. And by the way, also the model of the compass came from astrology as well.
0: Hmm. Now I'm curious about how so much of the world decided that the focus of astrology should be lunar rather than solar. Why did yeah, good question
2: those were the original calendars the original calendars were lunar calendars the standalone civilization um, when it came to adopting a different type of, of calendar was Egypt okay Egypt comes up with uh, a calendar based on the rotation of the Sun around the world. right and so um it's julius caesar and a very famous dinner party that he had on cleopatra's barge while sailing down the nile who sat down with one of her wise men and said you know you guys always collect taxes on the same day and you get payment regularly what what is it you know and the and the uh advisor said well you're working on a lunar calendar still and so you have to um, change every year by a month every time to sort of adapt the calendar. Whereas we work on a sun based calendar and we only have to change our calendar once every four years by a- adding a day. That's, that's, that's the um that's the origination of the leap year okay right once right. caesar got his mind around that he was like oh wait okay we're switching we're switching from a lunar calendar to a solar calendar because essentially it was all based on taxes he wanted to be able to tax at a regular time and receive his payments at a regular time
1: and, and that's become april 15 over here
0: you got it. <laughs> I wonder if there were some ancient Romans filing for an extension. <laughs> well,
2: um, the, the story of the calendar in Rome is its own story because it was really quite embattled. The priests were in charge of the calendar and they would add months to it or subtract months from it, depending on who was in office. Okay. So if they didn't like the senators, it was suddenly a shorter year so that they would have elections quicker and they could vote them out of office.
1: There's a lot of crazy stuff about calendar, like December, the the DEC of December indicates that it's the 10th month of the year.
2: Yeah. And and it's not. (laughs) Well, Rome had 10 months. There you go. Okay. And so they had to add them. Augustus is named after August is named after Augustus Caesar. July is uh named after Julius Caesar. So they added the months, you know, with, with the names of the emperors.
1: Well, the calendar is fun. And I know that most recently the discussion about uh the calendar and the time and all that has to do with the time change once again. How difficult it is for our bodies to keep going back and forth between two sets of time, and and for several days, I will say to Gary, "Well, it's it's eight o'clock, but really, my body says it's nine o'clock." You got so, it. So I keep talking about the two different times. Now that that will fade, but every time we change the time, then I'm talking about the two different times. I know I shouldn't be hungry right now,
2: but I am because I'm on the old time. Well, and your body's on its clock. And if you own dogs, they're on a clock. They're like, you know, it's time to go for a walk. What are we doing here? Right. Right. So this, this daylight savings is is it's an artificial construct. And and it is. More and more people are saying, Listen, this is affecting my health, my rhythm. Like, why are we doing this when we have electricity? And you know, yep. so so that might be something that's that's going to change at some point.
1: Yeah, you're saying that, you know, there were a there was a point in time where people just decided this is how many months we're going to have in the year this is how many days in the month there was it wasn't based on the moon entirely
2: uh those people were emperors (laughs) okay and we're not (laughs) they decided on that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but think of the way that people kept time. For instance, I was raised in in the Catholic religion, and so saints' days, saints' feast days, was the way that you kept time in the liturgical calendar. You know, so so people have always used um, the stars, the phases of the moon. The phases of the moon would tell you. The, the month. And then it was the equinoxes and the solstices that would tell you the passage of a year, you know, because it divided it up into the four quarters.
1: This is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Well, we have a lot of questions, but I also want to make sure we get to the horoscopes because we've made that promise. What absolutely, do you think, Gary?
0: Absolutely. And, and just by way of setting the table, uh, we may have talked about this once before, Christopher, but I am curious enough to to hear it again as you plan them out you know you you must be a very organized man you have to do the research for these 12 signs and of course we like to tell people that in christopher renstrom's cosmology of solar astrology it isn't just your sun sign but also the ascendant also known as your rising sign and a third influence and here comes the lunar part your moon sign because the moon is connected with your emotional life in the sense it rules the emotions or influences the emotions in terms of astrology so when you read a horoscope it's a good thing to get a birth chart printed and find somebody to interpret it for you i think christopher might do some of that he has something to which you can subscribe that we'll hear about after we come back from the break but make sure that you keep all three of those in mind because it gives you a more composite picture of where your life is at at any given moment do i have that right christopher you do and what's wonderful about that is that it's not as exotic sounding as it once was
2: you know uh maybe about 15 years ago it would be like what a rising sign moons nowadays everyone pretty much will read their sun moon and rising right off the bat you know and and as you just said Gary they'll they'll um do a composite they'll see what's 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 the sort of theme that's going on so the audience for astrology has gotten a lot more sophisticated um and and they're very Astrologically savvy.
1: I like that. I like that. This is another place to get answers in the world. Uh, another way to look at your life, look at reality, look at it through the, the planets.
0: And in a predictive way, Christopher, when you're writing these scopes, do you get the sense sometimes? <laughs> you know, this just occurred to me right now that in a way that you're one part astrologer and one part advice columnist. <laughs> you're trying to help people through life.
2: Uh, absolutely. I mean, I was an enormous fan of um, Ann Landers and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Dear Abby, you know, because they were just, you know, people made fun of them, but they gave amazing advice. I mean, if you go back and really look at the advice mm-hmm. that they gave, and you remember, you know, that they didn't have immediate social media and 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 all these different uh, things right now, um, you know, and and so they really kind of they were appearing in newsprint pretty much at the same time astrology was appearing in newsprint and I think the older astrologers learned some things from from those sisters and I think those sisters learned some things from astrologers
0: absolutely true I mean dear Abby and Landers were they sisters Yes. yes yes I found that you know and yeah. they both went into the same field
1: well it's like two basketball players or two
2: football players uh, two advice columnists <laughs> well they were sisters along the lines of I think Olivia de Havilland and Joan
0: Fontaine <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> dear they, me
1: <laughs> yes they were, they were rivals
0: definitely they were rivals
1: <laughs> each one thought they were smarter than the other one right
0: you're gonna take her advice what are you nuts <laughs> <laughs> well we have some horoscopes for you let's today do
1: it do it to it
0: hot off the griddle. <laughs> let's, let's start
1: th- at the beginning
0: well we ought to do that with the aries ingress that's how solar astrology works when you look at predictive astrology you begin with aries ready aries here we go keep opinions to yourself What? people are sensitive now and will likely take what you have to say the wrong way And then there is Taurus the bull. There's more to a financial tiff than meets the eye. Resentment has been building for weeks. Address the concern and you clear the air. Gemini, you'll want to interrupt, but don't. Let a source yammer on. What begins as an innocuous conversation becomes increasingly revealing. And Cancer, are you volunteering opinions without being asked? Blame Mercury and Sagittarius. That said, it's good because you've held things inside for too long. Leo, timings off with Mercury and Saturn out of sorts. If anything, err on the side of caution. This planetary square can lead to false starts. And we'll finish the first half with Virgo, you can't run nor can you hide. It's time to face the music. It won't be pleasant, but you need to change certain bad habits before it's too late. And we do have a little bit of time before we, we go on to, to revisit these there. Um, well, well, since I just I, finished, I, with, I, yes. I had a
1: question about Mercury and Sagittarius. Yes. Is there a theme with Mercury and Sagittarius that kind of runs through a lot of what it was you were writing? For
2: today oh, oh yeah well the what's happening today is mercury is entering the zodiac sign of sagittarius so re- re- return to that visual model that i was sharing with you earlier uh think of sagittarius as being two on a clock face, okay? And the uh, clock hand that represents Mercury right now is pointing to that two on the clock face. And so that's what we call a planet entering the sign. It enters the sign for stay, and planets stay in a sign for different periods of time. Mercury's there for, uh, I think, maybe about two-ish weeks or something along those lines. The Moon's there for two days. So that's just to show you the different rates of speed. So with Mercury entering Sagittarius, Sagittarius is a very expressive sign. It's a very exuberant sign, and it's a very opinionated sign. And there can be a tendency to sort of like, you know, one finger up to heaven, and and they're the authority and all these sorts of things, and they're going to, you know, spout forward with whatever. Um, But what's also going on at the same time is that it's forming a square to Saturn in the sky. And so when we have a square, we have two competing ideas. Okay. Mercury and Sagittarius wants to express its opinion and wants to animate, get people spirited, rally around a cause and let's go out and do. You know, and Saturn and Pisces is you're treading on people here, or you're treading on people's feelings, or you're not taking into, into account different points of view that might differ with you. You know, you don't, uh, you know, why are you out shouting people? Why are you claiming that your cause is more righteous? So Saturn and Pisces is more, not only more cautious, it's more skeptical and it's more attuned and sensitive to points that are being glossed over, you know or forgotten about. And it's and, and that placement of Saturn and Pisces is more likely to be like, well, you left out this or you didn't represent this correctly. And so this becomes a friction or a combat between these two different points of view.
1: And hence, for Aries of which I am one, when you say keep your opinions to yourself, uh, Sagittarius is another fire sign, and and so it, with Aries as a fire sign, it would be easy for me to express my opinion about something, and in this case, it could be uh, hurtful. And so I, I have to be careful.
2: Right, and and because the phrase was, people are sensitive now and may take it the wrong way. Right, um, that's the Saturn
1: and, in Pisces part. People exactly. are going to be sensitive right now, so. As a as a fire sign who's opinionated, just you know, tread carefully.
2: Yeah, a good thing to keep in mind, especially during times like these, is um everyone has a right to say something, but not everything they're saying is right. Yes. And so that might be yeah. the sort of thing to keep in mind with this Mercury Saturn square. It yeah. may not be right like researched or thought out or be right. No. right like the right time <laughs> you know so. an
1: opinion is just an opinion you know and is that your opinion yes that's my opinion so it, it isn't a fact it is just uh an expression of what I'm thinking about
2: exactly exactly and,
1: and it can be taken the wrong way and so I I heard some of that in the first six horoscopes and 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 that's the kind of thing that everybody can be aware of when it comes to astrology. Saturn in Pisces and, um, and, and Mercury in Sagittarius, those two important elements um, playing one against the other creates an issue for everybody on the planet.
2: And what's nice about it is that when you look at it playing out with the planetary patterns, you don't have to take it personally. You know, it can be like, right. you know, you take a couple of steps back and it's like, well, is what I'm saying hurtful? You know, wh- would people be have their nose put out of joint? Would they feel bad about it? How invested am I in it being righteous or, or the only way of seeing things? And yep. that's yeah. something they should maybe dial down or be more yep. sensitive to because Saturn in that position is really a conscience. You know, and whenever you're dealing with Jupiter ruled signs, okay, I'm going out of limb here, but Jupiter and Pisces are both ruled by Jupiter. When you have a square, which could be a combative aspect, you're always dealing with a moral quandary or a moral question, because mm-hmm. these are the two signs that really bring the moral question to the fore. You know, they're very, very concerned about what's morally right. And, um, and, and so that's 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 a concern to keep in mind on today when Mercury and Saturn are squaring in two very morally concerned or conscientious zodiac signs.
1: Okay, Gary, I interrupted you with my Mercury and Sag. What was your question?
0: Well, with Virgo today, you know, uh, you can't run, nor can you hide. It's time to face the music. It won't be pleasant, but you need to change certain bad habits before it's too late. Christopher, I'll tell you there that um, Virgos of my acquaintance, in addition to myself being one, see this time as opportune because Mm. there are some things I would like to get out of my life. And there are things I would rather be doing with my life and attitudinal change and good mental hygiene there. Mm -hmm. And this seems like now is the time when, at whatever point in life one is at where here you find a golden opportunity to get it right, because we all get it wrong. We're all experienced at getting it wrong, but isn't it great when we can get things right and feel clear? right and I it seems to me like for whatever reason I don't know what accounts for this I hope you'll tell us where this all of a sudden is like in every Virgo's face here's your chance
2: um it's in every Virgo's face because the two planets are squaring in what we call mutable signs uh and these are known as the changeable signs you have three classes of signs cardinal, which are the signs associated to an equinox or a solstice, fixed, which will always be the heart of a season, and then the mutables, which come at the end of the season. Uh, With mutable signs, it's always about accommodating, adjusting, reworking what's going on. Uh, Squares can be difficult because they can be combative or confrontational. And if you've got incendiary planets, you've got planets sounding off at one another or acting out on one another. But squares also bring a conflict in the way of looking at something. And conflict can raise consciousness because we're forced to look at this situation. It's not going to go the way we insist or habitually think it's going to go. We, we, We have to look at it differently. We have to approach it differently. We have to ask better questions. And so, it's during something like a square or an opposition, even though traditionally in astrology, these were seen as being challenging and with a negative tone. What you also see is people don't make these changes when things are favorable. They do what's habitual. They do what's always been done. They make the changes when what used to work no longer does and so that usually will show up in something where the planets are squaring one another
0: i find that fascinating and i think there's a principle there too Uh, the old stoic philosopher used to talk about seneca in particular that if you don't face struggle you really don't find out i'm modernizing it but if you don't face struggle in one way or another you don't find out what you're made of right right
2: and, and But then that also begs the question of what kind of struggle you're
0: facing.
2: Yeah. Some people are facing struggles that are more than anyone should have to face. And So, you know, it's not really always an accurate test of someone's merit. I mean, if you're living in a war zone, that's you know, that, that really overwhelms everything else, you know. And so there is also a question of what kind of struggle that, that, that someone is facing. But existentially, we're born into a world in which we're always struggling. And, and, and so the thing that I sort of really want to communicate, and I'm so glad you guys are asking about this, astrology isn't telling you what to do. It's not red light, green light, or, or you know, someone's, Simon says. Astrology gets into a time and a rhythm, okay? So, when your astrological prediction comes up, it's not saying you do this. It's saying this is you know, plans are in conflict here. You're dealing with the idea of conflict. This is this is the timing of it. And so the assumption is that you would be understanding of that. that you would recognize that in your life, you would be understanding of it. And so you could perhaps use the advice or the guidance of the astrological council uh, to work with the period of time that's going to help you out and benefit you.
0: Words to take to heart. That's great stuff. Christopher Renstrom, our honored guest of the hour, coming up on 30 visits here. One of these days, he's going to be in the 30 Club, occupied (laughs) by one person currently, and two just about to crack that charm circle. We'll be back with more of these horoscopes. We've got another six more to read, and we'll get into those wonderful cosmic weeds with Christopher Renstrom when we return. We're Manson Mitchell. Glad you tuned in. Give us a couple of minutes. We'll be right back. On Friday, Manson Mitchell, welcome back Christopher Renstrom, astrologer extraordinaire, with a preview of what to expect in 2024. We'll also read horoscopes. On Saturday, Judith Paulich talks about her book, Why Can't
1: We Be More Like Trees? A fascinating conversation about the world of plants, animals, and humans on the planet today.
0: Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007.
1: We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150.
0: Self-help, healing, spirituality, and more on Alternative Talk, 1150.
1: Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our very special guest, Christopher Renstrom. This is his 28th appearance on Manson Mitchell starting back in 2011. And that's only because we adore him. Uh, When we started interviewing you, you had a book called Ruling Planets. That has been out of print like forever, And so I'm holding two books in my hand that are not out of print. The Cosmic Calendar, Using Astrology to Get in Sync with Your Best Life. Hugely beneficial when I read this book about your prime seasons, your off seasons, your reflective periods, your action periods. It really helps with the individual um, ruling planets and astrological sun signs to tell you when to do things and when not to do things. And I think it's a a brilliant book that I still consult. And the most recent book is Rise and Shine, an astrological guide to how you show up in the world. This is about the rising signs and also a truly wonderful book that um, it took a lot to put that together because it's the rising signs for all 12 sun signs. So a lot of work went into that. You have a subscription service. If people would like to learn more about you, your books, uh, astrology, how does that work, Christopher?
2: Yeah, I've got um, a platform called rulingplanets.com, which was based on my first book, The Ruling Planets. And that's where I will put, for instance, like the daily horoscopes, the weekly horoscopes. Um, and if you subscribe to rulingplanets.com, which is $1.99 a month, uh, 22 for the year, um, you will have a personalized dashboard where your uh, daily horoscope and your weekly horoscope, and then extra features like cosmic alert, you know, show up and it gives you the heads up on on something to, you know, be alert about <laughs> in the cosmos. Yeah. But you also get to read about the full profile of your ruling planet and how it interacts in your life. And so that's there. And then there are different adjuncts. For instance, I also do a weekly IG Live with my associate Emily Jensen and um, where we will take a topic and we will unpack it um, for that week. And it could be anything from mystery chart where we exchange and give each other mystery charts of someone who's very famous and the audience participates in trying to figure out who it is uh, to um, uh, ask us something about your chart. So, So, that's very interactive. And then astrology hub, I do of course the um the horoscope highlights which is a weekly show uh where again uh i will for astrology hub take uh and you can get it on youtube i will take a a, a upcoming planetary transit and we'll talk about it but what i like to mix in with that show is um, Shakespeare or the Bible or Korean rom-coms or whatever is in contemporary culture to really act as an illustration uh, for that planetary aspect. So, people are learning about astrology and also maybe something they didn't know about Korean history dramas that are (laughs) are being shown currently. It all ties in astrologically, and, uh, and that's also something that goes on once a week.
1: That is great. And all of that can be found at rulingplanets.com. So visit Christopher Renstrom's site and sign up for his service. And then you'll have all of that available and more. It's so great. thank you very much for that. Gary, I want to make sure we get those last six in without racing the clock. So okay, go ahead. You're
0: all right. You're up. Now we're up to Libra. Okay, Librans. You don't like it when people get too possessive. Tell a love interest or controlling superior to give you space. You're nobody's trophy. Scorpio. The only time people ramble is when there's something to hide. Find a comfortable spot to listen. Their guilty secret will emerge eventually. Sagittarius. You have the upper hand in a conflict, so be nice. Your magnanimity persuades losing parties to yield without a fight. Capricorn, at first you felt insulted being handed something a rival just turned down, but does it really matter? It's still an amazing opportunity. Aquarius, success depends on how well you get along with someone who doesn't respect you. This prod you to go further than you would have gone before. And Pisces, stick to your guns. The reason people poke holes in your plans is because they have no plans of their own. Your agenda will win out. Very good. First thing that occurred to me reading this one from Libra is that... uh, I've known any number of Libras who are absolutely delighted to be somebody's trophy as long as it's the right person. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> but you don't like it when people get too possessive. It's interesting to to be a trophy and yet not to be a possession.
2: Yeah, Libras are very um sensitive to that. You know, they 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 love being in relationships and and they love being um admired, you know, um and valued, but they get very turned off if someone's kind of like, okay, this is, you know, what you think, or you're mine, or, you know, um, I'm the one who makes the money here or something like that. They get very, they, they really don't like that. And uh, they can get very uh, resistant in that regards. And it's something that they're very, um, it's something that they're very sensitive to because charm and persuasion is so much, you know, in their in their lexicon
1: that is that is absolutely true absolutely true
0: when it comes to Scorpios this idea that to find a comfortable spot to listen their guilty secret will emerge eventually the Scorpios I have known have the gift of second sight they can really see into people in a penetrating way and you (laughs) might not even know that's going on but they're sizing you up psychically as it were getting a good read on your character while they may greet you at the door, that doesn't mean they necessarily want you inside.
2: <laughs> Scorpios have the maxim that everyone's guilty until proven innocent. <laughs> <laughs> so for, they they have a they they're always listening for the inconsistency, you know, and they know that if someone starts talking nervously and going on about things, okay, I might not have suspected something was up, but now that this person's doing it. They're giving themselves away, so I'm just going to sit back and listen and 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 see where they're going to go with this. <laughs> you know, this is something that <laughs> is just really—they have. It's such a unique talent of theirs that it's really wonderful. <laughs> I mean, if you're on the right side of it, it's 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 hell. If you're not, it's like you know being cross-examined by a Spanish inquisitor or something.
0: <laughs> well. Scorpios, you know, Librans love to be in relationships, but Scorpios really love that too. With them, it seems like to be involved with the Scorpio on whatever level, it could be a business arrangement, it could be a a marriage, they're, they're looking for a kind of merger into a joint identification. That's the way it looks to me anyway.
2: And you see it a lot between Scorpios and Libras, by the way. I don't know if you know this or not, or if I had brought this up previously on my 28 visits. But um, (laughs) Scorpio and Libra were originally the same sign. That's one of the things that changed under Caesar's transition to the solar calendar. Um, The constellation Scorpionis goes covers Scorpio and Libra. And so, when Caesar was reformulating the months, he was also reformulating the signs. And he basically cut off the claws of the scorpion to make the dishes of of Libra. So, so Scorpio and Libra were originally the same idea. It's, It's very funny because so many relationships I see come up between Scorpios and Libras and they're like why 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 and and this is why and in um Arabic astrology the um dishes are still referred to as the claws of the scorpion
0: the claws of the scorpion. I have no idea see that we love bringing this guy on I I always learned something you're able to get into what some people might regard as a minutia and yet you display its significance you explain it so well Christopher you know this idea of pluto didn't didn't that affect the way astrology was looked at when pluto was discovered
2: oh yeah absolutely when when each of the moderns was discovered in effect of where that astrology was looked at uranus was discovered in 1781 uh neptune was discovered in 1846 and pluto of course was discovered um at the midpoint between the first and the second world wars um around the time of the discovery of of atomic energy and so pluto's discovery was was really very powerful because it's named after, of course, the god of the dead, the god of endings. Um, And it was named after a little girl. And the joke was, well, she named it Pluto because of Mickey Mouse's dog. And no, she was the daughter of a classicist. And she was nine. And she's like, Well, you've done Uranus, you've done Neptune. And isn't there another brother, Pluto? The planet should be named after him. I mean, she had, you know, done that deduction, you know, at the age of nine. And so they sent it to the observatory where Pluto was discovered. And they were a little bit hesitant because Pluto's so dark and nefarious, but the planet itself is very far away and mysterious and and it and it caught on.
0: You know what occurs to me right now is that though they be few there are probably still people living who were around when hey we discovered a new one we're calling it pluto i mean yep. that had to make the front page somewhere oh it did it did
2: <laughs> it did and uh for a couple of centuries there there were great hunts to find new planets you know that's where Planet X comes from and all these sorts of things but uh Pluto was that and then now the focus is more on dwarf planets and and uh things like that
1: and black holes
0: oh yeah
2: well, uh, black holes don't aren't, aren't moving. <laughs> black holes aren't
0: the same as a planet. <laughs> they're kind of like... They're the, they're the black, deal. Black holes, they tend to suck all the air out of the room. <laughs> 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 when it comes to looking at heavenly bodies, their dwarf planets, asteroids, things of this nature, they're, do they have a role to play? And I guess I, I'm working my way toward the idea of the nodes. They've always confounded me the north node the south node and why should they be significant to us
2: uh nodes show up with eclipses nodes were used to time eclipses so um I know there's a whole technical explanation which I always mess up but it's like when the sun and the moon meet on the ecliptic Um, you'll have an eclipse. And so that's where the nodes were very important. Uh, The nodes have a very strong um, presence in Vedic astrology and Indian astrology. Mm. Uh, They were kind of there at the beginning uh, uh, in Western astrology, but it was the Vedic system that really went forward with the nodes. And so the nodes always kind of like hung around, but then they got reintroduced, uh, back into Western astrology in America. I can't speak for the other continents, but America in the 1960s, because then nodes were associated with past lives, you know? And, and so it's like, you know, the North node is telling you where you should go with this life and you're South Node is going to tell you where you were in a past life. And so, that's where they sort of like really came back in with with a very strong, uh, powerful pull. And then, of course, it was evolutionary astrology, which is very nodal-based, which becomes very popular in the 80s and 90s out of the Seattle area, um, in which the nodes become really quite uh, important in the understanding of astrology through the lens of evolutionary astrology
0: and Seattle factors in how
2: um that's where uh it was worked out uh, where evolutionary astrology begins wow it was in the Washington area yeah
0: wow another significance for Seattle I never heard that before yeah yeah it was this I mean was this a team of people working on it uh it
2: was a couple of gentlemen uh who were working together they um I, I don't really quite know they were contemporaries. Okay. Uh, One is, uh, I remember, Jeff Green, and the other one, uh, your audience is going to be like yelling at me because I've like gone up, Stephen Forrest was was the other one. Uh, But they were also kind of, they were working with Pluto, they were working with the nodes, and they were sort of really introducing that, um, you know, past lives could be talked about identified and talked about motifs in an astrological chart and that um they played a very vital part in the evolution of of the soul itself um and this idea of the soul evolving you know to become more godlike is um a response of american spiritualists to the introduction of darwinism uh, just around the beginning of the Civil War, so it was this idea that um, that that we that there was an active afterlife that you didn't you didn't find out whether you were going to go to heaven or hell on the day of judgment. That there was an active afterlife in which uh, in which kin in which spouses could communicate to the living through seances. This is the reason why seances become so popular in America. And so they took the idea of Darwin's, you know, man is descended from ape. The spiritualists took it one step further, which was to say, man is actually descended from God and is heading in a direction of becoming more godly. And people who are available to help uh, our species do that, are the dearly departed who can communicate to us through seances and, and things like that. It was a very powerful movement in the Civil War and the post-Civil War years.
0: And um, I will just add this. Go to, ahead. And that during wartime, you will see this, and maybe it's a time of ferment in uh, in terms of the intellect and the spirit as well because when people are dying at the rate they were during the Civil War people want to know what happened to their loved ones there's a motivation there that doesn't undermine it so much as help to explain why the phenomenon would would crest
2: yeah well this is when reincarnation is introduced into America um, I think her name is if I remember correctly it's Elizabeth Phelps um in which she's talking about the loss of her brother but her brother's communicating to her from beyond the grave and says we come back and so this it's it's Hindu okay but this strain gets introduced in the United States during this period of time and it colors people like um Emerson and his writings um so so this is uh, it, it's it's just before a Civil War, Civil War period, in which reincarnation and a lot of Eastern spiritual practices are really catching on. And it's kind of what we were talking about earlier. The church institutions, I hate to say this, but the church institutions at the time weren't doing their job. It was very divided. There was a huge argument over slavery, for instance. It's a huge uh, splitter in in Christian churches in the lead up to the Civil War, you had the abolitionists and you had the people who said slaves were property. They they weren't made in the image of God at all. And so this is where you have something like um, Eastern philosophy coming on in and really taking hold with people uh, people's imaginations and spiritual questions and moral conundrums. You know, because it wasn't being answered by what was going on in the pulpit. And spiritualism, of course, is the rise of women. Um, speaking uh, in, in public places about spiritual matters. And even the seeds of feminism in the United States of America comes out of the spiritualist movement at this time.
1: Wow, I, I've got a lot to think about there. I was going to say that um, in in my short life of less than 100 years, um, I have very much gravitated much more toward the thinking of Uh, spiritualism, thinking about uh, an afterlife, reincarnation, all of those types of things. And I learned Darwinism in grammar school. And and, uh, very recently, this year in 2023, I read something, which I can't even tell you right now where I read it, but I read a very long article about Darwinism, and it was extremely negative that you know, that this was this person's opinion, but there's not a lot of facts behind it that uh, as far as the evolvement of one species to another species, they're saying these are all individual species. We did not come from apes. We came whole cloth as human beings. Mm-hmm. And so in in having this article I was reading really discounting Darwinism, I thought, you know, it never made sense to me when I was a little kid, and it still doesn't today. And yet, it is a prevailing educational uh, um, item in in public schools.
2: And, and it may not be true.
1: And it may a, not be true.
2: Right. Um, and a prevailing topic of controversy. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, but Yeah. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah it's very it's, interesting yeah I mean the these again are theories you know yes um, yeah but and...
1: some theories they they resonate with me and I go oh well, that makes sense mm-hmm. and then other theories go clunk like really does right. that make sense to me and yeah. and so over a period of decades I have quite decided for myself that Darwinism really makes no sense and I'm sure it's still being taught in schools and it was taught to me when I was in school and and so uh, if whenever you, everything I've read over the decades the people that I've talked to people that I would consider you know smarter than the average person um they are all, all kind of lean toward this idea of an eternal soul that manifests many times over in this mm-hmm. lifetime mm-hmm. And, and that to me that makes sense
2: yeah, yeah, and and it's a beautiful it's a beautiful vision. It's 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 a beautiful it's it's a beautiful vision, and it's a beautiful way to look at the world and 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 to look at the universe. Personally, I think Darwin should be taught older than the grammar school. It's very sophisticated. Oh,
1: in, in its entirety, yeah. yes, it is. Yeah. But I, I can remember the picture on the on the board with construction paper showing you know, like fish and yeah, getting bigger and bigger until this this human person actually stood up straight. I mean
2: (laughs) 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 that's a lot of unfortunately that's a lot of people's (laughs) like well and human evolution
0: when I see these charts about the rise of humanity, Homo sapiens, I go I don't know how we got looking from from the way we did in the beginning and you go through caveman neanderthal cro-magnon etc and all of a sudden the guy's standing up like he's mr gq <laughs> well, that one had a good set of genes
2: and there have been what some wonderful spoofs on that i mean some terrific on that right <laughs>
0: well
1: you know we have to look at some of these truths to say are they really true it's good to question things and not just take every single thing at face value. I mean
2: a critical mind, a critical mind is a very, very important thing, you know. And and I think, especially nowadays, since we're going to be navigating AI. Oh, <laughs> we, yeah. We better yeah. keep our critical mind sharp. <laughs> and we
1: appreciate your critical mind joining us today. Christopher Rensky. As always. We are putting the close on visit number 28. Thank you oh. so much for being with us wonderful
0: always a blessing and we look forward to talking to you again sometime soon christopher renstrom
1: you want to stay tuned for robin Alexis? yes and at one o'clock today we have american road trip talk who are you going to have on today
0: mark green and we're going to be talking about how car production went from what it was to what it needed to be in wartime, particularly World War II. Hope you'll join us. Thanks so much, everybody. Glad to have you with us, as always. We'll be back tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on 1150 AM KKNW.